I'm a visual person sure. too, right? So I'm gonna I'm gonna be sitting here yeah. like <laughs> around like a whiteboard. <laughs> Welcome, fellow sleuths, to Meddling Adults, a game show where we grab our minor league baseball teams and go head-to-head to test our wits against the prowess of fictional young detectives for charity. I'm your host, Mick Schuber. I'm notoriously bad at solving children's mysteries, which is why I am safely behind the judges' table, letting others duke it out instead. Our contestants this week are Alex Baisley and Bobby Wagner from Tipping Pitches, and today's mysteries are from Encyclopedia Brown. Before we get into the mysteries and all that, let's say hello to our guests, who are live in studio with me. I'm coming from the Tipping Pitches studio in Brooklyn, New York. Alex and Bobby, how's it going? It's going so well, Mike. We've just finished recording your appearance, most recent appearance on the Tipping Pitches (laughs) podcast. Um, I have an opening question for you. Yes. Notoriously bad at solving children's mysteries. That's how you describe yourself. Mm -hmm. How bad are we talking? Like, could you not solve any of the ones that you read on this podcast? I do solve some of them. (laughs) And I'm very proud of myself every time I do. You know how they give you like age, like reading levels Mm -hmm, in ages? mm -hmm. Like what age would you say you are for children's mysteries? Like nine? I don't know. It's hard with age, but I would say... Every Encyclopedia Brown book has 10 mysteries in it, and I would say four of them get thrown out per book because they're just too easy and I solve them. Okay. And then... So you're the barometer then. If you yeah, solve it, it's yeah. too easy for the listeners. <laughs> if I solve it without like really having to think about it, then yeah, it's okay. way too easy for, for the pod. Well, it's also like, you know, some of these books are written, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago and mm-hmm. rely on really like esoteric knowledge from right. the time period you that know, is also that, something that, that, that i think many people don't have <laughs> sometimes things get removed from the potential list whether i'm reading them or producer sherry's reading them and trying to weed out which stories work or not sometimes i don't think anyone would know that is a reason like there was one where you had to know that in europe carousels go clockwise and in the u.s they go <laughs> counterclockwise and encyclopedia brown just knew that oh. and then there was one that i kept in the pod just because the story was so funny but the actual answer was that ducks don't have esophaguses so they can't right. swallow without the use of gravity that's why they kind of shape their heads and necks to get that's the how bread alex down. eats too right yeah. Yeah. i also don't <laughs> have an esophagus right yeah he was just born that way it's weird so i guess sometimes the solution is just yeah back in the 60s you just didn't have <laughs> things to do so you knew fun <laughs> so you facts knew the ducks didn't have esophagus you know right. way more about like streetcars right. or something mm-hmm. yeah yeah, there's particular notes that when the document that Sherry will prepare, because she'll give me mystery, like, I think these will work, I think those won't work, just so that I'm not reading so many of them. Yeah. But sometimes there is a specific category for, I don't think anyone actually knows this. <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, do you two have history with solving mysteries? Obviously, Bobby, you were on the pod before. You've made claims that you're going to smoke Alex and bury him. Yeah, you were talking a big him. game before this. We don't get to compete that often, you know? <laughs> Usually we're on the same team, pulling yeah. the same direction. Mm-hmm. So I got to take these opportunities when they come. That's true. We are known for making every possible bit into a competition. Yes, that's true. Um, I, Other than appearing on this podcast in the past, I don't have any particular personal history with mysteries. I mean, I read a lot of the the standard children's ones. Um, I got into Hardy Boys for a little bit, maybe in like my middle school era. My dad had a couple Hardy Boys, you know, novellas that he passed down to me. Um, and and I enjoyed them, but you know, I don't consider myself a, a sleuth. 
necessarily. Just detail-oriented, Mike. Yeah. What about you, Alex? You know, I was never huge into, like, the the mystery books as a kid. I feel like I gravitated more towards the, the like, kind of history-slash-exploration one, like Magic Treehouse. Okay, yeah, yeah, Or, yeah. like, Time Warp Trio. Or Honus uh, and Me, the baseball card oh, traveling right, time exactly. one. I read that book. Yeah, 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 yeah That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. That's a banger. That's so, my uncle, great-uncle, Honus <laughs> Wagner. <laughs> Wait, what? No, it's not. Okay. Uncle Mike, come on. Look, man. I'm I'm not not descended from baseball royalty. (laughs) I don't know. If I was, you think I'd be doing an (laughs) anti-baseball establishment podcast? Look, maybe that's how you get back. The Disney daughter made that whole anti-Disney documentary. I'm the Abigail Disney of the baseball world. That's me. (laughs) No one really got Alex. Yeah, so I don't have a ton of experience of this. So this will be um, really, I mean, Bobby, you and I uh, go to trivia every once in a while. And I feel like that's the that's the closest thing to a mystery. And we just get smoked every time we <laughs> yeah. go. We just finish in like 16th. I was served like a mystery sausage once at trivia. Okay, it was like entirely okay. white. I, it was chicken. It was really, honestly, Mike, the texture, you're probably going to cut this out of the podcast. But honestly, <laughs> the texture was so soft. I didn't know meat could be this soft. It was right. like, it was like, it was like not entirely a solid, you know? <laughs> I don't know how they did it. Modern Marvel engineering. engineering. Well, I gotta go. Well, I gotta go. Well, today we're gonna be doing mysteries from Encyclopedia Brown. Here's how the game works. I'll be recapping four quick mysteries from the esteemed children's novel series, Encyclopedia Brown, specifically Encyclopedia Brown numbers 22 and 23. Neither of you have read or seen these ahead of time. I'll lay out all the clues. I'll ask for your accusations and each correct guess of culprit, means, method, motive, all that good stuff will earn you points, but there's also bonus points at stake. If you have an incorrect guess that matches my incorrect guess, you will earn a Misery Loves Company bonus point. And if you say anything particularly bonkers or particularly funny, I'll just throw them out from time to time because we need joy in our lives in this fun world we live in and if i chuckle on the pod and i decide that's a bonus point then so be it if it's tied at the end of four rounds we will break the tie in the only fitting way with a sudden death riddle now this is a game that we're playing for charity so what charitable organizations will the two of you be playing for today uh so i'm going to be playing for vocal new york they organize for health and just communities by building power among low-income people to fight homelessness mass incarceration uh hiv and aids and the drug war. Awesome stuff. What about you, Bobby? Uh, I'm going to be playing for Pocket Change Pools, which is a mutual aid fund that basically selects a different um, thing to redirect aids and funds towards. Every week they do a couple different things depending on what is most pressing that particular week. There's a lot of focus on anti-racist causes and anti-police violence causes and that sort of thing. So they're a great mutual aid fund. Exciting. Really good stuff. Both great organizations. If anyone listening wants to learn more about them, we'll have links to their websites in the description of this podcast. But without further ado, let's put the pedal to the metal and get into our first mystery, the case of the runaway judge. So Encyclopedia Brown finds his mother upset on the phone. Mrs. Brown finishes her call and explains that one of the judges of the Idaville Flower Show got married overnight and left before announcing the winner of the final category, which is supposed to be announced today. I don't know what this competition is that it's so big that they have to announce the winners over multiple days, but that's the situation we've got. Mrs. Wedgwood was supposed to name the winner today. She is the judge that has now 
left after getting married. So they go to the innkeeper of the Blue Point Inn, which is where Mrs. Wedgwood was staying. And the innkeeper tells Mrs. Brown that Mrs. Wedgwood left an envelope in the room. The category of prize that they were waiting to hear was for best garden maze. And Mrs. Wedgwood is a landscape architect, and she's an expert on English garden mazes, which is apparently something that you can be. And I really want to meet someone who is that now. Is that like a garden maze that says in it afterwards? Or is, is like, how is that different than an American garden maze? I feel like a maze is a pretty universal concept. I think it's just that a lot of English gardens and European ones just like have hedge mazes in them. Right. I think I heard the ones in Europe are actually go counterclockwise. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. You get a bonus point. It's a very good joke. You're up one to zero. But yeah, I, it's just a thing that I think European gardens would just have little mazes in them. And I guess England is a specific place that would have them. I I don't know. I'll, I'll report back next time I'm in England. I'll see if there's lots of hedge mazes around. But Mrs. Brown says that Mrs. Wedgwood is very unusual because she worked a dozen different jobs before becoming a landscape architect. She's been a waitress, a code breaker, a clown, a garbage collector, a jeweler, a toll collector, and she's been married five times in seven years. I don't know why that's relevant. Sounds like a CIA agent to me. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. A little suspicions. Encyclopedia Brown and Mrs. Brown go to the inn and then they go to the room and they get the envelope. The innkeeper tells them that Mrs. Wedgwood left other things behind in her room in addition to the envelope. So they go to her room, which is room number 10 on the second floor. It's a very large room. It has a pale pink carpet and white wicker furniture. There is a red dress on the couch and there is a small pocket calendar that is open to January on the table. In the envelope, it says the following. Dear Mrs. Brown, I am deeply sorry that I was not able to be here in person to announce the name of the winner in the garden maze category. My life has taken an unexpected but quite wonderful turn. By the time you read this, my new husband and I will be on our honeymoon on a small island off the coast of Scotland. I'm afraid that the island has no phone service, so it will be impossible to reach me. Please give the talented the gardener <laughs> a hearty congratulations. Sincerely, Ida Wedgwood. Mrs. Brown still doesn't know who's won, but Encyclopedia Brown looks around the room and he asks for the names of the gardeners who entered the maze contest. And Mrs. Brown says that the contestants were Nicholas Chin, Karen Mayes, M-E-Y-E-S, Candace Flintoff, Roberta Garnett, G-A-R-N-E-T, I don't know if that's Garnett or Garnet. Alexander... That's Kevin Garnett's granddaughter. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Alexander Finlay and Melissa Abruzzo. A-B-R-U-Z-Z-O. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Marissa Abruzzo. Hey. Encyclopedia Brown recalls that Mrs. Wedgwood was a code breaker and a jeweler before, and he realizes that she's left the winner's name in some sort of a code. So I turn to the two of you. Who is the Garden Maze winner? Can you just run through the list of names of the contestants one more time for me? Of course. We've got Nicholas Chin... Karen Mayes, M-E-Y-E-S, Candace Flintoff, Roberta Garnett, Alexander Finlay, and Melissa Abruzzo. And in the room was a red dress on the couch and a calendar open to January. There's white furniture and a pink carpet on the floor. And like 12-year-olds are supposed to know how to <laughs> answer these questions? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Let me at least look up when this one was published and we can we find out what We used to expect time. a lot more of our kids. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> Sorry, wait. Go through the names one more time for me. Nicholas Chin, Karen Mayes, Candace Flintoff, Roberta Garnett or Garnet, Alexander Finlay, and Melissa Abruzzo. All right. I'm ready to make my choice. All right. Let's go. The Garnett fellow. Okay. Roberta. 
Roberta. Fella? Yeah. F- fella gender neutral? Yeah, how do you, yeah. <laughs> Person? <laughs> Always my safe bet. Roberta Garnett is the one who won the maze because Garnet, Garnet, isn't that a birthstone? I believe that's a birthstone. Mm. Could it be for the month of January? Ooh, the okay. month that the calendar was open to. Okay. And that is the clue that she was trying to leave as the code breaker in a past life. I love it. That is my prediction. Okay. What about you, Alex? A garnet is a, is a stone? I think so. <laughs> Sounds right. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm kind of at a, a loss here. The person's last name, what is it? Abruzzo? Abruzzo. A-B-R-U-Z-Z-O. Kind of sounds like Lambrusco. Delicious wine. Mm. Great, great Love wine. Love the micro bubbles. Which is, which, is, which is red. Okay, okay. There's red wine and there's white wine. That is true. Lambrusco is, is yes. red. We've, yep, <laughs> right. Can confirm. And there was a red dress and a white... Uh, oh, chair? The white, yes, like it was a red she, dress on a uh, white see, couch. I think the red yeah. dress was in there because she's a big Jonas Brothers fan. Ooh. <laughs> red dress. <laughs> I have fine bonus point for you as well. It's one to one. I do love red dress. <laughs> Burn It Up slaps. The music video is so good. It's too. such a, it's we did, so um, good. we did Burn It Up at karaoke a few weeks ago Smart. and they had the music video up on the screen <sighs> as you were singing it. It's really good. It brought the house it's down. It's a yeah, really good music video. Okay, where were you going with the red? The Abruzzo? You know, you the know, Lambrusco? I don't, I don't really know. You think know. that I'm a 12 year old would know that a Lambrusco is red? I, he do you think that are counterclockwise? All bets are off for what this 12 year old knows. That is true. You're right. Okay. Yeah, I haven't really coalesced it into an answer. Perhaps there was there was a little bit of stereotyping and Encyclopedia Brown was like Italian must like the wine, red and white. So you think it was her? Yeah. So I think I I still don't remember her name. Melissa. 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 Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Well, I'm happy to report that Bobby was correct. It is Garnet because Garnet is the January birdstone, and it was a red dress because it is a red stone. I did not know that. I didn't know the red color. See, I never know the colors of any stone. I feel like I. I feel like I know it, and then they show it to me, and I'm like, I didn't know it could be that color. I mm-hmm. thought it was, yeah. My birthstone knowledge starts and ends with amethyst is February, and it's purple, and I only know that because I was born in February. And I, that's don't it. My, I, I don't know my birthstone. it. Yeah. <laughs> now, my answer that I had written, which was wrong, is I wrote, whoever's name is the January birthstone, <laughs> but I didn't know what the January birthstone was. Now, I am happy to award you three points, so now the score is four to one in favor of Bobby as we get into our second mystery, which is very intentional for the baseball boys. It is called the case of the umpire's error. Oh, <laughs> error, Big error! Rule book heads over here. Yeah. I like it. You couldn't have this one after Rob Manfred takes away umpires and replaces <laughs> them with robots. They won't make any errors. <sighs> so the case of the umpire's error. It starts with, and it, it just says. It's the day of the championship baseball game between the Idaville Indians and the Pitfield Porpoises. They do not say what league. They do not say if they are adults, if they're children, if it's major, minor, independent, no sort of baseball league. I am very upset because in an episode with Kyle Banduho in season one, we established that the local minor league baseball team in Idaville would be the Idaville Murder Hornets. And we have great Idaville <laughs> right. Murder Hornets baseball tees for merch that you can get and all the proceeds go to charity at meddlingadults.com slash merch. So very upset natural that plug. the yeah. natural plug. look gotta do look it all goes to charity so many plugs yeah. okay <laughs> I, does I, I just want to ask so do, do all the encyclopedia brown stories like take 
place in the same cinematic universe? They all take place in the fictional town of Idaville, Florida. Right. It doesn't actually exist. It is just a beach town in Florida. I always assume that it's in the summer and Encyclopedia Brown never ages because these books started to be released in the 60s, but this one mm -hmm. was released in 1991. Donald J. Sobel, the author, just kept putting them out every couple years or so. And Do you think Encyclopedia Brown is like you know, like a working name, you know, like sort of um, like James Bond. Like there's multiple, like once Daniel Craig is like, I don't want to be James Bond anymore. There's a new encyclopedia Brown replaces them. His name is Leroy Brown. So I can only assume that song is about him. And not enough people name Leroy anymore. It's a his great nickname name. is Encyclopedia because he's so smart. So in fifth grade, everyone just calls him Encyclopedia Brown because he knows everything. Love a good nickname that's longer than the actual name. Yeah, but it's good. Or it's like one of the great, old. Yeah. It's like the, the sports nicknames you got to get back to, where you just name someone something because of a thing. Right. Like it's just oh yeah, sure. Like Shipwrecker Thomas, right. the catcher for the 1908 Cleveland Spiders. <laughs> like George the Iceman Gervin. <laughs> Just, yeah, yeah, right. He's smooth and he's cool. So yeah, he's the Iceman. Or all -timer. just the old school nicknames where you just pick a cooler name. Like Walt Frazier's nickname is just Clyde because <laughs> it sounds cooler. <laughs> but so all of the good. good nicknames are taken now. It's sort of like how, how band names, you can't come up with an original band name that's mm. not like 13 words long because yeah. in 1964, someone was like, I'm going to name my band The Band. Yeah, right. <laughs> mm. Or I'm going to name my band The Birds. Yeah. It's like, okay, I guess they're all taken then. <laughs> There's just too many nicknames now where it's just like a uh, number, initial thing. We got to get yeah. back to just naming someone something because of the thing yeah i agree and i am totally on board with the more syllables <laughs> than your actual name thing I think or it's because fantastic. they have a burgeoning rap career in the case of dame dalla <laughs> <laughs> oh dame okay let's rapper. get into the case of the umpires error. i like him now i don't appreciate that the idaville baseball team is named the indians like come on yeah. what like 1991 we could have picked a different name but regardless Encyclopedia Brown is worried about the Idaville team winning because the Porpoises, which is a great team name, the mm -hmm. Porpoises have the best record in the league, whatever league we're in. <laughs> this is, you know, it's just about purity of the sport, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter the level. Love of the game. Who's playing? It's about the love of the game. Mm -hmm. For exactly. sure. Mm -hmm. Now, Sally Kimball, his best friend and junior partner at his detective firm, reminds Encyclopedia Brown that Idaville has Tara Podrowski on the team, and Tara has more home runs than anyone in the league. The parents of players on either team, so I assume children right. or at least high school level, but could be professional with parents that are highly invested. We see T. Morant out there talking trash to people. Exactly. Right. Aaron Judge's mom with her little buddy cop show with Roger Maris Jr. Remember that? <laughs> Come on, so call back to your appearance on the Tipping Pitches podcast. Hey, you can hear more of me. Get to talk about real baseball players. Now, the parents of each team throwing insults back and forth. Tara hits a home run in warm-ups, which is what the book calls batting <laughs> practice, which is, uh, there's so many great things. They call home runs home run hits. Nice. And then they call the uh, batting practice warm-ups. Just a lot of, I'm surprised it wasn't called the referee's error <laughs> instead of the umpire's error. Now, the game still hasn't started after warm-ups have been over for quite a bit. And one of the players explains that the umpire's car broke down and they couldn't get to the game. All other umpires are away and they might have to postpone the championship game that only has one umpire. Like they don't have a whole field crew here. It's like me when I umpired Little League and every now and then I have to do games by myself yep. and you got to be behind the plate, throw off the mask, run to second base <laughs> to try to see if the kid slides in or now. Ugh. 
Gah. And then like some parent from the stands throws a beer bottle at you for right. getting the question <laughs> or for getting the call wrong. Thankfully, I never had to eject anybody. Most parents were pretty I chill. ejected people from you a seven-year-old tournament. Oh, that's I'm like, your kid awesome. is seven. If you keep talking, you're gone. <laughs> your kid is seven. Bobby was on a power trip back there. He's ejecting seven-year-olds. <laughs> He's ejecting adults. I wasn't adults. ejecting seven-year-olds. No, just the parents. I was like sadly ejecting their parents yeah. because I'm like, your kid is seven and they're trying to have fun and they're right. embarrassed that they're, yes. that you're a parent yelling at yeah. the umpire because your kid hit the ball three feet and got thrown out at first base. Like, right. Yeah, relax. You need to take a look in the mirror. Seriously. Yeah. Thankfully, I never really had to eject anyone. Most parents were pretty chill. And any of the non-chill parents or coaches, I would say, look, one more word out of you and I'm tossing you. And then <laughs> that's, they would, the coach, that's, that's such good, a vet yeah. move. But then the problem vet is move. they listen to me. <laughs> I never got to eject anybody. But even some of the coaches, when I was umping games by myself, like if I miss something, one of the coaches would be like, oh, did you see that like his foot came off the back? I'd be like, oh, no, I didn't. He'd be like, dude, don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, my kid's eight. It's okay. <laughs> It's super chill. So shout out to the chill parents. Anti shout out to the non-chill parents. All other umpires are away. They might have to postpone the championship game. Now, a father on the porpoises team tells the coaches that he could fill in. Highly sketchy. You can't do this. <laughs> yep. Already Terrible. do not trust this man. Terrible idea. He claims to have been an umpire in the major leagues for three years before becoming a computer salesman because wow. I guess robo umps they're getting rid of them they're out of work they mm-hmm. gotta switch this could have been uh, Cowboy Joe West Ooh. if his career went a different way mm-hmm. could have been so the game starts and the Idaville team is leading at first but then they are losing 5-2 to two by the 6th inning Encyclopedia Brown thinks that the substitute umpire is making bad calls against Idaville so I guess Encyclopedia Brown big uh, rule book shark yeah. mm. he knows all the stuff now tara home run king is up at bat and the umpire bends down to dust off home plate and encyclopedia brown sees the words on the back of his shirt that reads don't go wrong dot 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 by a crumb computer so i guess it's just the promotional billboard type t-shirt for his computer business the pitcher pitches high tara doesn't swing umpire calls it a strike feels like it's out of the strike zone this happens again on the second pitch The third pitch is wide, so outside, and low. And a third strike is called Tara strikes out on three pitches, all of which appeared to be balls. Tara is on Idaville, right? Tara is on Idaville. Hometown squad. Tara is the home run hitting machine. Right. Tara tells the Idaville coach that the umpire is trying to make them lose. The coach insults the umpire and says that he doesn't know how to call a game. The umpire says, quote, in the major leagues, managers get thrown out for insults like that. Encyclopedia Brown then watches the umpire and realizes that he is lying about having umpire experience. How did Encyclopedia Brown know that he was lying? Can you um, refresh me on the phrase on the shirt? Yes. So on the back of a shirt, it says, don't go wrong, dot, 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 by a crumb, K-R-U-M-M, computer. I just, I feel like that's a big clue. and It's yeah. just going straight mm-hmm. over my head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the three pitches, we had uh, two high strikes that were out of the zone and one low and away. Yes. Uh, what's Tara's OPS <laughs> for, this, for the season? I don't know the OPS. I think the OPS plus, though, is 150. Yeah, okay, so right. above average by a healthy margin. Good. Yeah. I will say, just to save you the time, and I think this one's basically impossible mm-hmm. because even as an umpire, I didn't know. But I will say the solution is nitpicky baseball shenanigans. Okay. okay. Like you have to know rules of baseball, like <laughs> highly specific, not even rules, but like umpire etiquette of baseball that I didn't even know. And I like got grilled when I trained to be an umpire. It was like a two week class. Like mm-hmm. I didn't know this. Can you read me the part again where the umpire bends over mm-hmm. and tar- and they notice the shirt? 
Yes. It is just before Tara goes up to bat. The umpire bends down to dust off home plate. And Encyclopedia Brown is in the bleachers behind home plate. When he bends down, then he reads the back of the shirt. Hmm. I got it. Okay. Oh, I like it. I'm ready. Okay, right. go go for it. I feel like umpires usually, their butts facing center field, right? Encyclopedia Brown is like, I can read what's on the back of the shirt, mm-hmm. right? You made you made a, a point to make it clear that that he's obviously, he's dusting the plate. They are sitting behind home plate, basically, right? Yeah. So he's able to read the back of the shirt. I feel like, and I don't know why this is, why umpires usually do that, but I feel like they usually, I don't know, so not to dust, I don't know, the catcher, you know, like not to hit the dust in their face or whatever. That's the only thing that I can think of, especially, again, because of the emphasis placed on it. I'm like, there has to be some... It's not a secret message hidden on the shirt, I don't think, that said from computer employees <laughs> have never been employed by Major League Baseball. Lists the years <laughs> and it over conflicts with the dates he said he was an umpire. Yeah. That's the only that's the okay. only thing I can think of. I oh, think okay. that that is a great guess, and I think that, that is probably the correct answer. So in the interest of saying something different and not trying to steal your answer. If you knew it, honor system, but if you didn't know I, it. That was not what I was cool. thinking. I was thinking that umpires are instructed not to wear a shirt with any writing or anything mm. else mm. on it underneath it and that they're instructed instead to just wear a plain blue or plain black shirt because the shirt that they are wearing over top of it is just blue. That's that's a nickname for an umpire, blue, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even though most umpires wear black now because you wouldn't want them to have like a conflicting color, yeah. like a white t-shirt or something that might make it like hard to see the ball right. or something yeah. like that. So my guess is that they were wearing a shirt that they were not allowed to wear. All right. Well, I'm happy to report that Alex is correct. Nice. It was the dusting form. Yeah. And I always turned around to dust the plate. I never knew why. Yeah. And my guess was just, did he dust the plate wrong? Right. And that's what it is. So apparently in official like baseball training, it is rude for the umpire to bend over and basically show their bottom to the whole crowd. <laughs> so they turn... And I guess it's, you know, not showing it to the audience in a more typical setup where you just have bleachers behind. So that is like proper umpire etiquette is to turn around and have your back. I I don't even know if it's a bottom, but it's just like, you know, your back is not supposed to be to them as you do the thing. Don't moon the crowd. Right. Yeah. Umpiring 101. (laughs) So like I always knew that, but I just didn't know. In the solution book, it says, quote, in the major leagues, it is considered bad manners to show your backside to the fans. (laughs) And then it continues. We really do need to get Cowboy Joe West today. Yeah, talk to him about this. <laughs> the way it says it goes down to the solution. It says, once he had proof that the phony ump had lied about working for the major leagues, Encyclopedia Brown informed the Indians coach who stopped the game. The championship match was rescheduled for a later date. <laughs> Can you imagine if this was the technicality that you were trying to get over on people? It'd be like, in the major leagues, you do not bend down that way. Like, my little league umpires didn't know this. What do you, what, what? Also, also, if they cared enough about this to reschedule the game, why did they let this man step foot on the field in the first place? Exactly. Like, if it was that serious. Because he said he umped in the major leagues. I have proof he didn't ump in the major leagues. He doesn't know how to call a strike. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I had done that every single time I just saw the plate. I never knew why. I figured, I was like, I don't know that I'm, it's easier to right, brush I mean, it backwards. It and then it makes sense because you're walking around the catcher, right? right? So you wouldn't want to like go butt to face right. there. Yeah, yeah like, exactly. It, for me, it was always just easier. And then if the dirt's going to go anywhere, if I'm brushing it back onto the place where people slide in, like it's a better right. place for the dirt to go rather than under the catcher. So yeah. I didn't know. But yeah, now we're learning more. Look how much baseball knowledge we give to the baseball podcasters. 
So we now go into our mid-roll break with the score tied four to four. It's heating up and we'll take a little bit of a break where I'll talk about updates with the show and there'll be some stuff that raises money for charity like ad reads, good stuff. And then we'll have two more mysteries. Hooray. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the mid-roll break for the final episode of season 4A of Meddling Adults. This has been such a fun half season to put together. It is so good to be back. I'm so excited that the show is back, and we've got some episodes out there, and we can hopefully find a groove moving forward to have episodes come out more regularly. I was very sad that there was a big gap between seasons 3 and 4, and I hope that the gap is never that large again in the future. These five episodes are so much fun. I'm going to work on episodes for the second half of this season over the next coming months and later this year those episodes will release and it's been a fun process it's been really fun to have folks start listening to the show again new folks finding the show and a lot of folks supporting the show really appreciative to everyone who has joined the patreon at patreon.com slash meddling adults really starting to raise more money for charity we are not going to be doing any sort of charity updates and stuff like that until the season ends so that we can really see how much money we raise and we can figure out exactly how much we're giving to all the different charities that have won so far over the course of the season. I might be posting some stuff in between the seasons. There might be either some updates or bonus episodes, or maybe we'll do a digital live show or something. I'm not really sure, but there is a possibility of some stuff happening in between the breaks. So do not think that this is just all you'll hear from me over the next few months. So make sure you're still subscribed. Check in on the feed every now and then if we've got some updates, if there's some fun stuff happening. I have some ideas for fundraising efforts, and if it makes more sense to do those in between the seasons as opposed to after season four completes, I might do that. So I'm just thankful to all of you for listening. I don't want to keep you too long here in the mid-roll break. Also, just a note, usually at the end of the season, I thank everyone who has joined at the highest tier. So I'll save that for the end. And even if you didn't stick around at the highest tier for the whole entirety of season 4A and the break and then afterwards, don't worry, I'll look back in the Patreon and see who all joined from when the show was coming back until it ended and make sure I give everyone their proper credit and shout out there. I really do appreciate everyone who is listening and supporting and all of that. So we will now hear some dynamically inserted ads that also help raise money for charity. Feel free to reach out if any of these ads are weird or sketchy. They are locally inserted. So if you are overseas, they might be in your country's native language. If you're in a particular city, you might have an ad just about your particular city. It's tailored to where you downloaded the episode. But once those ads are complete, we will conclude this episode of season four of Meddling Adults. And we're back. We've got two more mysteries here. It's a tie game four to four as we get into case number three, the case of the jumping frogs. Now, Buddy Mayfair, whose nickname is Ribbit. See, great nickname just because of the thing he does. Buddy Mayfair, whose nickname is Ribbit, comes to Encyclopedia Brown and Sally Kimball in their garage-based detective office? Lair? Uh, lair? <laughs> Compound? Cubicle studio. Yeah, they come to the the detective firm in the garage that he comes up. He apparently runs a college for frogs. 
He hops a lot during frog hunting season to warm up for frog catching. So he literally just jumps a lot, really acting out his hobbies. He asks Encyclopedia Brown and Sally if they want to join him on the science club frog hunting trip because two other kids who were supposed to go on the trip decided not to go. They've got two open spots. Encyclopedia Brown and Sally say, sounds like fun. So they go. To be clear, is this a school about frogs or like for <laughs> frogs? I think they will describe it later in okay. the mystery. All right, I might be getting ahead of myself. Right, but I think he just kind of teaches That was unlawful frogs. fishing for information. <laughs> Can we get a point away from this man? Come on. <laughs> no, I like He's just trying to, you know, cover all his bases. I think he just kind of teaches people how to catch frogs and then also like if you want to get your frog better at jumping if you're going right. to enter some sort of Were any frog frogs hurt in the process of writing the story? I don't think so. They're very okay, good, good about caring for animals in these like okay, Peter Brown books. There's lots of animal-based events where there's like a lizard race or some sort of other animal-based thing like biggest pig country fair type stuff and they're always really nice to the animals so there's not a lot of cruelty going on here though there was one that we did on this season where a snake ate someone's lizards but it was very much a bad thing that that snake shouldn't have done <laughs> i hate when a snake eats my lizards I hate when that's just the worst so they head over oh no no oh he didn't eat the lizards someone lied that someone's snake did eat the lizards and then they actually didn't eat so no lizards were harmed in that mystery Spoiler so, alert. <laughs> Well, that's, yeah, if you haven't listened to season four, episode one of Metal Alien Dolls, why are you listening to episode six, potentially? <laughs> so they all head to the campgrounds, and there is a high fence that surrounds the campgrounds. It's made out of steel, so that, you know, shows that it's secure. A park ranger is standing by one of the gates to the fence. There is also someone there who is the chaperone for the group named Mr. Sands. He and a group of children are waiting by the other gate. The ranger locks the gate, and then he gets into a truck and drives away. Ribbit explains to Encyclopedia Brown and Sally that the gates are for camper safety and that Mr. Sands has a key. But suddenly they hear a loud rumbling sound, and they see a tractor coming towards the gate. The driver of this tractor unlocks the gate and drives in, and he explains that he is cutting a fire break, so something that's supposed to stop a potential wildfire from coming through. This tractor has 12 steel cutting discs all in a row behind the tractor, and the tractor has really thick tires at the two ends of the row. The wheels can be lowered to lift the discs off the ground when they're not being used, so kind of like a lawnmower, and the blades cut up roots, shrubs, and stumps to leave an open path that won't catch fire. The driver goes through the other gate. Mr. Sands leads the kids to the pond to catch frogs. Ribbit tells everyone to be careful because lots of things have been stolen from this campground recently. He also hops every few steps to really go along with his Ribbit name. I love a man who's committed to the bit. So yeah. committed. He's so committed. He hopes that he will catch a lot of frogs because enrollment at his frog college has been low. He trains the frogs to be better jumpers so that they can win frog jumping competitions. Mm. So that's his frog college. For 15 cents a day, his frogs each have a room, all the flies they can eat, massage services, calisthenic drills, and leisure time in the birdbath. Pause. Yeah. <laughs> pause. Pause. He's charging the frogs. I believe he's charging people with the frogs this. Like, I'll take care of your frogs and train them and then give them back. To you, I don't think he's charging. So it's the like a frogs. boot camp for yeah. like prize frogs. Yeah, it's so it's like, like perfect game, but for frogs. Right. I guess. <laughs> I haven't seen perfect game. No perfect. <laughs> right. Sorry. Perfect game. Perfect game is like um. <laughs> 
How would you even describe it? It's, like it's, like it's, like it's like a travel baseball like showcase oh, circuit exactly. tournament oh, where like you have to like, you pay, travel baseball. Yeah, where you have to like pay right. to go yeah. see a showcase so that where scouts are to see you. Yeah. Oh. You get to pay like seven thousand dollars. I guess I was good enough to get into get perfect like game. Swings. I was yeah. just on travel baseball and Cal Ripken cents is, like, is downright affordable. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Well, that's the interesting thing is that these books came out in nineteen sixty five and it's a whole thing of Encyclopedia Round charges a quarter per mystery. And even though he's writing these now in the 90s, they still keep the 1965 That's funds wow. for stuff. A man so after I, my own heart. <laughs> I usually have to utilize my favorite website, which is the United States Bureau of Labor Statistics, to use their inflation calculator <laughs> right. and figure out what it is. Because there'll be ransoms for people. And it'll be like, oh, I was a ransom for $200,000. And be like, oh, it was a lot of money. Be like, oh, it's like, it's like 500K now. Dang. It's <laughs> actually pretty hefty. So, yeah, I think he's doing it for other people. It is confusing, though, because he does say like, oh, I need more frogs. But... I'm, I don't know. Maybe he could. Maybe he's got some homegrown frogs. Maybe he's got some homegrowns and he's then also he can say, like, I've trained this frogs. one for a week or so, so it's 15 cents a right. day. Like, you can have this frog based on this much kind of, you know? I like, have to assume this is the mystery we're trying to figure out, it's right? Not, is not, enrollment at not. his frog college. <laughs> How does this guy make a living? So You can't just say the phrase frog college and not expect <laughs> me to have questions. So the group doesn't catch any frogs. They only catch tadpoles. They go back to the campgrounds and the kids are playing along in the tracks within the fire break. Ribbit is leading everyone in a game of leapfrog because of course he is. And he goes to get his camera from the tent, but turns out that his camera was stolen. All of the other kids were at the pond all day. So Sally says it can't be any of them. The ranger comes in to inspect the locks and neither of the locks on the two gates are broken. The ranger says that only Hal, the tractor driver, Mr. Sands, the chaperone, and himself have keys. Hal didn't come back to the campground after cutting the fire break. The ranger was in his office all day, and the ranger jokes, oh, maybe a caterpillar took the camera because it's a shutter bug, which is like, all right, dude, someone's camera is gone. What are you doing? Like, why are we making cool puns? Cameras aren't cheap. No. Mr. Sands says, quote, only a fool or a thief would risk climbing over the fence. Encyclopedia Brown says it doesn't matter because he knows who the thief is. So I turn to the two of you. Who stole Ribbit's camera? Do you mind rereading the portion of the story where they arrive at the campground? So they arrive at the campground. Really tied up in the whole like frog college and all (laughs) like the tuition situation. Like we were just could not focus. Can you read the entire story again? Start over now that we know it's not about frog college. (laughs) Do you think a lot of frogs live on campus or do they commute? (laughs) Do they have to pay room and board? Are there frogs in, like, student debt at this point? Like, (laughs) are there any scholarships? So they head to the campgrounds. There is a high steel fence surrounding the campgrounds. A park ranger is standing by one of the gates. Mr. Sands and a group of children are by the other gate. So let's say the park ranger is at gate A. Mr. Sands and the children are at gate B. The ranger locks gate A, gets into a truck, and drives away. Ribbit explains that the gates are for camper safety and that Mr. Sands has a key. They hear the loud rumbling of the tractor. The driver drives up, comes towards the gate, unlocks the gate, and then drives the tractor through, says he's cutting it for a fire break. And the gate that he went through, I believe, is the same one that the park ranger locked. So he was at the other gate when the kids were going through the gate. So both gates are locked. And then they come back. They were playing in the place afterwards where everything was cut down there were tire tracks in the place where they had cut it down they were playing along there and then that's when they noticed that the camera was missing first things first if this was real life it would definitely be the park ranger right mm. but can't you can't trust figures of authority <laughs> park rangers you know they're not that far from cops <laughs> wow <laughs> I'm gonna say no comment because I don't know of any actual park. I like I don't really I know some of my 
one of my buddies from high school is a park ranger, but I have no idea if he's cop-like. I've not talked to him much since high school. Right. I feel I feel like they're mostly fine. One right? time I got accosted by a park ranger for being in a park uh, when the sun so was this going is down. Like deep so this is like a trauma. Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah, yeah. I was like, listen, I'm just trying to get out of here. You know, I just, just, it was, it was not a fun time. I, I don't want to speak for all park rangers. I'm sure many are, are out there for the right reasons, you know, keep our parks <laughs> green. <laughs> just like to make a notes app apology for the park rangers of the world. <laughs> it's interesting because my brain is so drawn to the cutting a fire break. Mm-hmm. I'm like that. That's so specific. But also, is that just a red herring to make me pay more attention to the tractor fellow who seems like a good, honest, hardworking, blue collar American, and I respect his work. You know, prevent wildfires. It's very important to Smokey the Bear. So my answer is, I think that a frog stole it. <laughs> come on, come on. What do you think you're teaching about this college? <laughs> You know, they didn't find any frogs in the pond. And so where were all the frogs? Stealing they were out cameras. roaming around, mm-hmm, stealing cameras. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay? When okay. you don't give a all frog right. direction, they get into crime. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> That's my guess. All right. This is like the sequel to If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. <laughs> yeah. If you don't give if a you frog train adequate a frog education. In athletics, it will steal your camera. <laughs> Do you have a guess, Alex? I similarly am, am drawn to the tractor and particularly all the noting of like all the steel, you know, yeah. the steel blades. I can recap how the tractor functions. It has a bunch of steel yeah, blades. Yeah, I was I was having <laughs> I, I was picturing like a like a cyber truck with like 12 <laughs> wheels and like blades coming out of it. Basically what it seems like is that you've got this tractor that has the blades and when it's normally running, it's just going and the blades are all kind of cutting up all the stuff. But if you want the blades to not run, you can have wheels with tires that come down instead. And then instead of the blades going, it's just like more wheels along this tractor. So there's two big wheels on the end. And then you can either be in blade mode or wheel mode, depending on how you're driving. When he showed up, he was in blade mode. And then he Mm -hmm. opened it and just started going through and cutting. And then the kids came back and they were playing in the path that had everything cut up. And then it had tire tracks in it as well. I just got to be honest. I don't see what that has anything to do with the camera. <laughs> like if you ran the camera over, don't you think you would have seen the debris from the camera? Right. Well, I was like, I was like, maybe the blades are magnetic and they attracted the camera, but only the camera. That was the only other piece of metal in the entire camp. Yeah. I don't know. But cam- cameras are usually made out of plastic. I, I like <laughs> It's it's your turn to guess. You know, I've already theorized that the frog stole the camera. So I, well, you can say I, whatever you want. <laughs> I I think it was the tractor guy because I don't really understand why he couldn't just kind of grab it when he was going through. Yeah, you know, like he was already in there. I know it's not that because that's too simple. But like, if I'm the tractor guy and they're all playing over looking for frogs and stuff, I'm just stepping down, grabbing the camera, and then dipping. Yeah. Sure. Blame, right. it on, blame it on the honest, hardworking American. <laughs> yep. Well, I'm happy to report you are correct. It was the <laughs> tractor guy. The key of how they knew is that when they were playing in the debris, it was all of the debris, but then also tire tracks, meaning that at some point it drove back on tire mode instead of just going through and cutting mm. and only cutting and then getting out of there. Wow. So what Encyclopedia Brown realizes is the guy made the path he cut it. And then he put it on tire mode and drove up to the cabins and saw if there was stuff worth taking, 
took it and then drove out. Otherwise, it would have just been only debris and it wouldn't have also had tire tracks within the debris, meaning he ran over where he had driven. Encyclopedia Brown, lots of experience with various types of tracks mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. come from tractors. Right. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I still think it was the frogs. <laughs> <laughs> My guess was the park ranger because he made the snippy joke. I was like, he's not taking this seriously <laughs> no, enough. He totally did it. <laughs> like, there's no way. So that was my guess. So we get into our final mystery. Alex has a seven to four lead. So you can still tie it and we can go to sudden death. But we've got our final case here, which is the case of the lawnmower races. So uh, back lawnmower on, races. Uh, what? When I was growing up as a kid in Washington, we used to do this. For real? Yes. It's what? a real thing. Lawnmower races. Okay. Um, I was not partaking in the races because I was a small child. Mm -hmm. However, people in Washington had such big yards and they were so lush and green that everybody had a riding mower because they had to mow your lawn so often. Right. And so people would race their riding lawnmowers. Okay. You might be able to give insight because of some of the things that they were describing here, I was very confused. Okay. So that would be fantastic. Here we go. Also, Case of Jesus, the lawnmower races. Private property is a fucking scam, man. <laughs> you had too much lawn. You didn't know what the fuck to do with all your grass. I was four, so I was not like <laughs> not I was not you. taking the Marxist read on lawnmower races. <laughs> However, now that you say that, I feel like you could amass a few TikTok followers with that exact yeah. take. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Encyclopedia Brown and Sally arrive at the County Lawnmower Racing Championships. Riders are finishing the 12-hour endurance race that started at 9 p.m. yesterday. And we wonder why we have climate change. <laughs> Was that one of these things that you saw? Was there an endurance race? No, it was okay. like a race down the road and back kind Got of situation. It. Okay. Maybe like some obstacles they weave in and out of, you know. So when it's like Lupita Brown and Sally show up, they see three of their classmates, Larry Winslow, Bill Marshall, and Ken Uster. Sally asks why there are only seven mowers in the race. Ken explains that 20 started in the race with teams made up of two men and a woman. I don't know why they have this breakdown. Feels strange and unnecessary, but we continue. <laughs> 15 teams couldn't continue due to injuries. So there were 20 teams, 15 of the teams had injuries, and yet they kept on going. Florida, baby. <laughs> Three quarters can't compete. And they're like, yeah, let's keep it going, baby. It's the integrity of the sport. <laughs> I mean, it's the endurance ride. You drop off, you don't have the endurance. I guess, yeah. This it's is like Mad Max with lawnmowers. <laughs> right? This is insane. <laughs> It's intense. Now, not only did a bunch get injuries, a lot of them had to go to the hospital for these injuries, but they're continuing on. The crowd starts cheering for Mary Mullins, who is a teenager who has just taken the lead in this endurance race. She ends up winning the 12-hour race. The next race to take place is a one-mile lawnmower race. The rules are different from the 12-hour race. There's no pit stops. You can't refuel. And the engine in the lawnmower you use has to be the original engine that came in the lawnmower. This so is no more like what up. we used to do. Okay. You used okay. to not be able to like take the you know engine speed inhibitor off of the engine, mm -hmm. which this is, is like, like thing the, that's the on them. pure uncut mm -hmm. version of lawnmower racing. You right. Know? This is just leveling no the playing field. It's like it's about <laughs> the skills of the, the the man or woman behind the wheel. Right. Yeah. Not the skills of the of the engine. All right. Now Bill explains you can change. Change the driving gears or pulleys to increase your power and speed, but that's all that you can do. Contestants are announced, and these contestants include Larry's twin brother, Bill's aunt, Ken's cousin, and Mary Mullins. So the three friends that Encyclopedia Brown and Sally saw, they all have someone that they know and love competing, and then Mary, who is the crowd favorite. So Encyclopedia Brown, Sally, and then their three friends, Larry, Bill, and Ken, 
follow Mary to her trailer to see her new mower. Mary pushes the mower to the starting line, and the race countdown begins. The race starts, but Mary's mower dies quickly after it hits two bumps in the ground. She gets off the mower to check the engine, and Encyclopedia Brown, Sally, Larry, Bill, and Ken all go over to see if they can help Mary. She explains that a nut and a bolt connecting the gas tank to the carburetor fell off, and she's confused because her mower was completely fine when she tested it yesterday. If she can find the nut in the bolt and get a wrench quickly enough, she can still finish the race by making a quick repair. Bill offers to go get her wrenches, so she says that her socket wrenches and her opened-end wrenches are in her toolbox in her truck. They were just at the truck, so he knows where to go. Encyclopedia Brown and Sally are also with Larry and Ken, and the four of them help to look for the missing parts. Ken finds the nut, and Larry finds the bolt. Bill comes back with one open-ended wrench and one socket wrench. Mary fixes her mower and jumps back on the mower and is able to keep going in the race. Sally says that someone had to have sabotaged Mary because they didn't want her to win the race, and Encyclopedia Brown agrees that's got to be the case. Larry, Bill, and Ken all have family members racing, but Encyclopedia Brown knows exactly who is guilty. So I turn to the two of you. Who sabotaged Mary? To recap, Bill went to get the wrenches. Ken found the nut, and Larry found the bolt. Can you remind me whose family members are in the races? Larry's twin brother, Bill's aunt, and Ken's cousin. Was there something in there about like what they were doing before the race started or between the two races? I can't recall that. They go to Mary's truck, and she shows them the mower. So they're all by the truck. So the saboteur, if it's one of these three, could have done it at that point in time. But basically, in between the races, they went to Mary's truck. She said, here's my thing. They said, oh, cool. And then she ended up then later on setting it up and putting it on the starting line. But then something happened. Hmm. This is tricky because there are so, so many names. I and I'm happy, to, I'm happy to recap it. A bit of a headache from all those names. <laughs> Can you... Bill went to retrieve the, the wrench? Yes. Mary said that her toolbox was in the bed of her truck, and she said, both my types of wrenches are there, and then he came back with one of each type. See, okay, here, here is what I, here's what I thought when I first heard it. Larry's the one with the twin brother, right? Yes, and he found the bolt. He found the bolt. Bill's got the ant. He came back with a wrench of each type. Ken has a cousin in the race, and he found the nut. I think that it was Larry... Okay. But maybe almost unwittingly, like maybe he didn't even know it. I think his Whoa. twin brother snuck into Ooh. the group going to look at Mary's mower. And Ooh. while he was there, he sabotaged it so that he would win the race the next day. Okay. Utilizing the wow. twin angle of it yeah. to pull a little uh, prestige. Little yeah. See, I initially thought it was it was all of them, right? They got They got... Oh. They got three people in the race, right? There's the, what is it, like a brother? Twin brother and aunt and a cousin. Aunt and a cousin. If the cousin's a guy, you've hit your, you've hit your necessary two <laughs> male, one female quota. <laughs> That's true. It's like a downright family reunion at this long <laughs> Right, race. exactly. I mean, Bobby, you and I are very familiar with talking about collusion. It happens uh, at the highest levels of our democracy. And, you know, in the sports that we, that we know and love, including lawnmower racing. Right. I think they were all in on it. They probably okay, they okay. they put some money on I guess against the field, right? Against oh, so there's a DraftKings sportsbook Ooh, element to this. Right. Yeah. Or they're just saying Mary is the top contender. She just won the endurance race. Let's get her out. Three of us work together. Exactly. And then yeah. 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 So that's what I'm going with. All Maybe right. 
<laughs> Maybe this is not my actual. <laughs> okay, this, is okay. not, this is not my actual <laughs> submission. Maybe Mary threw the race intentionally. Whoa. She bet against herself. There's a little shoeless Joe Jackson for you. <laughs> oh. We think so highly of these 12-year-olds. <laughs> well, I'm happy to report that neither of you are correct, but I gave you both bonus points for the lovely <laughs> guesses of twin shenanigans. Everybody's in on it. The answer is that it was Bill who went to get the wrenches because Mary said my toolbox, which has my wrenches, is in the truck. He came back with one wrench of each type. How would he know the size of wrench mm. needed unless he knew exactly the size of the bolt and the nut? Oh, Bill. So if he had come back just with the full toolbox, EB I wouldn't have known. Say, hey, listen, their wrenches are variable in size. Some are adjustable, you know? Come on. Could have got a little more details there, Encyclopedia. Oh, I think the specifics, I am not a handyman by <laughs> any stretch. I know nothing. Kelly does all of the handiwork around our apartment. <laughs> I don't know. And the only thing I do is if she's not tall enough to reach something, I'll do it. But otherwise, she's in charge. I think maybe the specifics of the type because they say that it is a socket wrench and an open-ended wrench or an mm, open-end right. wrench. Okay. Maybe mm. those aren't adjustable with the little yes. slidey scroll thing because sockets got like the already fixed thing. Yes. Maybe right. some more modern ones, but at least maybe in 1992 when this book came out, it wasn't yeah. the this, type where it's all adjustable. Just three guys talking about tools, you know. <laughs> but with, uh, how many wrenches are there? All right. This, uh, this segment brought to you by Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that means we're at the final, and that means, Alex, you are victorious. Let's you go. win with a score of eight to five. You have won money for Vocal New York. How does it feel to not only win and not only earn money for a charity, but also to silence the trash-talking Bobby <laughs> Wagner? Frankly, that's what feels the best. Right, exactly. He came in talking yeah. a big game. That's I don't true. remember the phrasing exactly. Does it, does it get waxed? Uh, Could crushed? Could have been. been. Smoke All of the above. I would hear myself saying any of those things. <laughs> yep. Trounced? <laughs> bodied? <laughs> You know what? It's it's about the journey mm-hmm. um, as much as it is about the destination. Mm-hmm. Um, and and really, I just had fun being here with you guys. Yeah. You know, um, this is the ego boost I needed. Frankly, <laughs> I should be reading more children's mysteries to <laughs> make myself feel better about myself. You got w- one of four, right? I got two, 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 two. All right, I got one. You got one of four. Slow your roll, there, buddy. <laughs> and to be fair, they were. Some of the, the some of them were a little out there. The uh, the whole were, jumping frog adult. one. You these did. were young adult, young adult <laughs> mystery three. I always try to make the one that like that's impossible, yeah. and that was <laughs> all the blades and the tires. Like I don't know, it's hard enough. Some of them were just a little too easy, but uh, I'm glad we got the baseball one in there. I'm glad we got some sneaky ones. But this was fun. Thank you guys so much for joining, Bob. You still fought quite valiantly, made it a close one. Just uh, just one away from potentially sending it to overtime, but still a good time was had. If people want to find you guys doing stuff, maybe uh, together on a uh, regular basis, where can they hear you talking about some of the things we talked about today, such as baseball? They can tune into the Tipping Pitches podcast, available wherever you get podcasts. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, tipping underscore pitches, if you want to get a little flavor of what we like to joke about before you subscribe to the podcast. Though I would recommend checking out the podcast more these days because we are less on Twitter than ever, which I'm actually impressed by, Alex. Um, if you already listen to the podcast and you love the podcast, you can sign up for the Patreon at patreon.com slash tipping pitches, which will get you various perks. Uh, Mike has been a guest several times and it goes over swimmingly every time. We definitely don't argue about the New York Yankees no. in any way, shape or form. <laughs> we all agree that they're the best team and we all love them and they're not <laughs> the evil villains of baseball. They're just a scrappy <laughs> small market team <laughs> trying to put together a couple wins. 
Well, thank you guys so much for joining. This is fun. I also highly recommend tipping pitches. Even if you aren't into baseball, you're trying to get into baseball. It's very much like horse where you talk about so many non-baseball specific things that it's a good primer to it if you want to be able to have we're a conversation an, if, with your if dad. If this helps sell it, we're more of an economics podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if that gets people interested. Yeah, look, if you like unions, labor <laughs> negotiations, that kind of stuff, just look for the particular episodes in the catalog and be like, ooh. Don't forget about the dumb jokes. Please don't forget <laughs> yeah, about the dumb jokes. Yeah, bad jokes. Like, that's yeah. a real selling point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, baseball is just the tortilla chip to the salsa, exactly. which is... That's exactly which right. Is bits. Bits. <laughs> Can we use that? Can we put that in promotional well, material? Yeah, go for it, honestly. Dash Mike Schubert. You know, you're like Vanity Fair. Yeah. For like Dash a movie. Mike Schubert, who also does the same thing on horse. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to that wherever, wherever pods are cast. Anyway, Bobby and Alex, thank you so much for joining. Thanks, Listeners. Mike. This, thanks is, this is so much fun. Oh, well, it was a delight. Listeners, thank you for listening. And, you know, I'm just glad that we could be here all in person to go over some wonderful mysteries with the two of you. Two lovely meddling adults. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and the entire season 4A of Meddling Adults. This podcast is created, hosted, and executive produced by me, Mike Schubert. I also run the social media, and I also edited this episode. Our producer and normal editor is Sherry Guo. The art is by Maayan Atias. The music is by Bettina Kampamandas and Brandon Grugel. And the website is by me and Kelly Schubert. If you want to find us on social media, we're at Meddling Adults on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I believe we also have a subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash meddling adults. Make sure you're following us there so if there are any updates in between the seasons or updates about when season 4B is releasing, they will be posted there so you can see them if you're following us. If you want to learn more about the show, you can go to our website, meddlingadults.com. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash meddlingadults. If you want some merchandise, which also helps raise money for charity, you can go to meddlingadults.com slash merch. There are Idaville tees. There are digital live show replays. If you want to just make a one-time donation to support, you can go to paypal.me slash meddlingadults. And if you want to help the show in a non-monetary way, just tell people about the show. Because of the dynamically inserted ads, literally every download of the show helps raise money for charity. So if you just listen a lot or you inspire other folks to listen, you will help raise more money for charity. So if you enjoy the show and you think of someone else who might enjoy it, reach out to them directly. Say, hey, there's a show about only adults. It's really fun. It's lighthearted. It's goofy. You could try to play along with it as well. Or you can talk about us on social media. That really helps as well. You could leave us a rating and review on your podcasting app that you're listening to this with. If that app allows you to rate interview, lots of different ways to help out the show and thus also help raise money for charity that don't involve you directly donating money. Lots of ways that you can help folks in need. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. This has been really fun to get back in the groove of Mentaling Adults, and I'm excited for season 4B to drop and for many seasons to come. So thank you again for listening, and I look forward to when I am ready to give you more episodes of Meddling Adults.